Look, if they can have travel South Carolina, then we can have tr listen, blah, 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 blah. I wonder how much one of those bad boys is for a month. For, uh, oh, actually, I was thinking the same thing when I lived in St. Paul because <laughs> there was a stupid fucking billboard right by my, right by my apartment mm. that said, like, we stand behind our, our police, okay. St. Paul. And I was like, fuck. Well, I was like trying to figure out who to call to like get a petition going to get that fucking removed. Well, now where you're staying at, there's that anti-COVID one right there. Yeah, I've noticed. Uh, there's two. I think the Jehovah's Witness. There's uh, Jesus is coming soon. Yeah. I've seen two of those on my way to work, and now they're adding another one. No more blackouts like Texas and California. I don't. Something about energy or power or something. I don't really know what it means, mm. but it just says we don't have blackouts like Texas and California. I don't right. know why. Right. That's like a selling point for whatever they're hawking. But it's just like if you if people put up dumb signs like that, and obviously in the Midwest, there's like so many anti-abortion signs everywhere. I don't know where they're getting all that money from. There's so much crazy stuff going yeah. on that I'm not entirely convinced that that all of this shit we're seeing isn't weird money laundering. I saw uh, an unopened copy of Mario Brothers for mm. Nintendo go for $680,000. -uh. Mint inbox off the correct assembly line. They're, those nerds are so <laughs> far gone now that they're grading this stuff like currency, like coins. They, well, they know which line the boxes came off of and which one's more rare than the other one. Like, this one was printed in the New York factory. This one was in the Washington, so and they only made 10 boxes at the Washington factory. Which, which factory is the most valuable? Though? I have no fucking idea, hmm. but I'm comparing that to, like, the mints, you know, in coins. Like, this... This, yeah. this is a dime from the Franklin Mint, and they only made 10 rolls of that well, I mean, this year. They had records. They have, uh, I'm assuming, uh, virtual so, records. Six. So people need to put this new wealth somewhere, mm. and they're just assigning new things as valuable. Well, okay, how much was it now? $680,000. I mean, God, there can't be that many sealed copies of that in the world. Yeah. But what's the re? How are you gonna resell that? Mm. It's not like a piece of art, or maybe it is. Art appreciates in value, but Jesus. Look, people buy stupid shit, but it's. But this isn't for entertainment. See, this what, is for this is for putting your money somewhere. Mm, this is mm. for putting. This is a, a different form of wealth, getting assets instead of fluid liquid money. I, I well, you got to remember, rich people. 
I think getting to the point where they're like, I just want something that nobody else has. Yep. And that yep. is definitely something that nobody else has in the world. And Shkreli, Shkreli proved that with his uh, uh, Wu Tang thing. Yeah. yeah, I was. It's funny because that is the first guy that came to my mind, and I'm guessing Wu Tang Clan is upset that that asshole has their stuff. Oh, I don't think they care. It was like a million bucks or something. Well, I'm sure they take for... his money. Yeah. But it's like. He's one of the biggest fucking douchebags in the world. If I'm the RZA, mm. I think that's a huge success because you you you're 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 shining a spotlight on how big of a douchebag that guy is. Mm. Okay, okay. So if Skrelly came to us and says, "Hey, I'll buy you," yes, a Mister Skrelly. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> yes. I don't know. Where I don't do, know I if I sign, do I sign, Mr. Skrillex? I don't know if I could do it. <laughs> no, I'm not working for Skrillex. That guy, I enjoy being independent. I don't yeah. want to work for anybody. Yeah, it's... I don't, I don't know. That guy just... Man, he is just a fucking vermin. I don't want to further anyone else's ambition but my own at this point. <laughs> I, I, I really... The idea of working for someone to help them reach their goal mm. make it makes me sick it sounds like you don't like america anymore it's like you're you're <laughs> raping my time in my life for for nothing <laughs> i get no dividends off of this how are you gonna ever escape that i don't think it's escapable you gotta be your own man you gotta be your mm. own business owner mm. you but gotta you be the guy who you force others to further their ambition <laughs> So you just want to be yes. the guy who does that to, yes. to other I don't people. Want, yes, I want my own ambitions mm. furthered. I don't want to help Paul and Andrew mm-hmm. further their used car business. Mm-hmm. I don't want to help anybody do anything. Yeah, I get it. I get it. It's just uh, the game has been set up so you cannot do that. Says who? What uh, do you think we're doing I mean, here? I. Well, yeah, I we're guess. trying to we're climb trying. our way out of the sewer here. Trying, yeah. yeah. But we still would always have to collab with somebody at some point. Yeah, collaborate is great, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, but mm -hmm. indentured serve somebody for a fraction of the profits they're making off of it is not my idea. I get it. I get it. Maybe you need to open your own business. Yeah. You need to become an Etsy artist, maybe. Or a podcast artist, and we just need to get paid. (laughs) I I think you, with Etsy, if you're good and you make something that people want, I think there's a lot of people make... A good living off of there. Or you make a good podcast that a lot of people like, and I think there's a lot of people making a good living (laughs) off of that. So I don't know why I would branch out into Etsy. Joseph Rogan? You're going to be the next Joe? Just Joe Rogan. He's the only one making money off of this game. (laughs) Just Joe. I know, but he's like the... I don't know. I feel like the celebrities are sticking their fingers in the podcast world and it's kind of like corrupting it. Why do no, you feel? You don't, don't think so? That's a ridiculous thing. You don't think so? No. Okay. They Since this thing has been around, mm. celebrities have been sticking their toes in it and less than 1% stick around after six, seven episodes. <laughs> so. Oh, you, you, those are fighting words for Dak Shepard. Well, no. He's going to be coming after he you. He is the less than 1% I'm talking about, Cody. Wait, is his show still on? Yeah. I don't even know. I don't. I just see Oprah and him and some uh, other I, random everyone people. Dips, everyone dips their head in there. They all think, hey, mm. this will be easy. All mm. my uh, success elsewhere will transfer right over. It's not the case. True. There's a whole discerning podcast world out there that, <laughs> that doesn't. It's like when a big time movie director goes and tries and does a, a TV project, and everyone says, Ugh? just just because you got clout in the movies doesn't mean you're making it on the TV. Did Spielberg try that? He's all, he's tried that so many really? times. Really? What's so one of his times. shows? 
Tales from the Crypt. Is it? No. Okay. It wasn't Lost, was it? No, that's uh, Damon Lindelof. Hmm. Okay. I don't know. I, I, I'd be curious to look into what Spielberg's done. Lindelof's a TV man. But Spielberg has done so much TV. I, I guess I would like an example for... Just to see if I know if it's shit or not, because I don't really... Re- I don't the know. The fact these that you director. don't remember, yeah, it probably was, means that it's shit. Mm. No. I thought Lost was like that big name director guy, Damon Lindelof. Uh, but he was a movie guy. I thought it was one of those guys, like Michael Bay or some shit. Nope. No. Okay. All right. Who's the guy who made the Star Trek movies? J.J. Abrams. Yeah. I thought was, he was. Yeah. 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 J.J. Abrams was definitely involved <laughs> for sure. Yeah. Abrams, yeah, but I, but that's 100%. He was involved in like two episodes in the mm, beginning. Okay. And then Mr. Didn't Lindelof. have enough. Didn't have enough robots and explosions for him. He sucks. I hate J.J. <laughs> Abrams. <laughs> Fuck you, J.J. Abrams. <laughs> Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Bumblebutt Podcast. Now in a new location mm-hmm. with new microphones. I know, Can they're you tell? beautiful. I, lo- I love the quality of them. They're Me very, too. They're very sleek. They're soft to the touch. They, they got a shock nicely. absorber that yeah. doesn't work that good. You don't think so? You don't like that, huh? No, it works pretty good actually. I'm I'm a I'm a huge liar. <laughs> it just looks like something that I don't know, like, and you put an alien egg on it or something. I don't know. Yeah, and the like. microphone kind of looks like an alien egg. Mm, so I imagine sense. this is where Barry Satiro puts his children in yeah, one of these things here. Yeah. Microphone Ooh. shock absorber. You know incubator. what? I've seen. I'm seeing something I have not seen in a long time, hmm. and that is that nice glaze right there. You just wiped it off. Woo! I gotta tell you, glaze ya, in there. We're not in the basement anymore. No. <laughs> we're on the top floor, and it's uh, it do, it's a warm little bugger up here. You gotta say though, it's so like quiet here. This is uh, I haven't heard a single bow peep. No, uh, I I recorded with Phil with the old mics earlier in the week, and like just kind of listening to that, it's just like so quiet. The sound, the noise canceling, everything mm. just so quiet. If you can see these styrofoam things here, uh, yeah, they can't. But uh, I was in such a hurry to get them up, I put them fucking crooked without putting the level on there. But that's uh, fine. Yeah, we're working it out. Uh, I, did. I didn't have a level, so I just stuck them up there. It definitely looks like you had a few cocktails, mm. but I'm sure you did not. No, it's just Norwegian engineering yep, up there. Yep, yep, yep. We're gonna get the paintings up too, but it's the uh, the corkboard. Yeah, the move has been taxing. Yeah, I was really tired all week. Yes, you had to move a whole house mm. worth of shit around. Mm-hmm. Uh, you don't realize how much horseshit you have till you, uh, till you start moving. Yeah, and not to mention you were living in a house where you could have all that shit, and then it just accumulates and accumulates, and then all of a sudden, time to pay the piper, time to move out, and you got to collect all that shit and put it in boxes. You know what's the funny thing is, uh, for my style of writing an episode, which we'll probably get into in a minute here, uh, man, it was nerve-wracking. This was like the last minute. I was waiting until the last minute to get this thing done. I was in such a time constraint. Didn't have time. You just jammed it out, yeah, huh? Yeah, and I like to have it done like way ahead of time because mm-hmm. I'm a psychopath. Mm-hmm. But uh, so yeah, I just I was like literally working on it uh, yesterday. So wow. I'd never done that before. Wow. So I was really stressed out about it, but I got it done, and I think it's pretty good. Well, we have very different styles. Yeah, I have the bones for about. 22 episodes in my notebook <laughs> and then i flush them out once that deadline gets closer and that's 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 the way god works well, through me i will say this uh we'll let the audience in on a little secret here for me 
sometimes I like get into a case or like start reading something and I'm like, I want to do this, but then I get into it and I'm like, you know what? This just wouldn't make a good episode. So you just throw that away mm-hmm. and then search for a new. So I always like to make sure I have enough time to like do that because mm-hmm. sometimes I, you can just start something and you're like, this just, it w- would be awesome, but it's just not going to fit. Not compelling. What, yeah. Not going to fit for what like you and I like to do. Yeah. So yeah, sometimes it's like that, but you want to get in this bad boy? I say we get in this bitch kitty. Yeah. This now that is... we're 12 minutes in. <laughs> Well, hey, we took two weeks off. Oh, yeah. They Look, need to. Yeah. So, and, and honestly. Give me a fucking break, <laughs> honestly, you assholes. Look, hey, it was refreshing for me mentally. I'm sure it was for you It felt as good. Well. I was yeah. excited to get back. Yeah. I feel like the podcast spirit has rejuvenated mm-hmm. me once again mm. about three years straight of this. So, mm. anyway. Yeah, I was looking at the math. This is technically our, the, the first thing we've done since we've turned three. Is it? Yeah. I, get, I know. We didn't really... And we only, in those three years, we should have a total of 156 episodes. Mm. And I, so we missed six episodes in three years. That's it. Really? Mm-hmm. That's it. No. It's pretty good. I mean, we did wet... We probably didn't technically miss because I think we always wedge like a long bumbles sure. in there. Yeah. And I honestly was kind of considering that this week just because of the chaos. But we got it done and I think this is kind of a, a neat... Neat dude we're about to talk about here. We're in this bitch. This week we will be returning to form by talking about an individual that most certainly has to be one of America's earliest known serial killers, or at least one of the first that was documented. Although his motives for murder are much different than serial killers such as Ed Kemper, Ted Bundy, or killers of that nature, through hearing his tale, he seems to acquire the thrill of the kill, a trait shared by his contemporaries over 100 years later. So he loves the hunt, he loves yeah. the kill. He he kind of, I mean, not Gacy in the way Gacy killed little kids, but remember you hear where he's like, he accidentally killed that guy? Yeah. And then all of a sudden he's like, holy shit, I Whoopsies. really like this. Yeah. Uh, I kind of am getting that I'm impression out a diamond of this. right yeah. now. <laughs> What a scary thing to accidentally stumble into there. Oh. But <laughs> but yeah, I think uh, that's kind of how this guy is here. Now, the gentleman we will be talking about today is named Return Jonathan Miggs Ward or Return J.M. Ward. And yes, I swear to God, his first name is Return. That doesn't make any <laughs> sense, Cody. Nobody's name is Return. <laughs> The 1800s. What else? Layaway J.M. Ward is his brother. Uh, uh, consignment J.M. Ward is his sister. You, you want to know something fucking wild about this? As I'm going through the notes, I had to be tactically careful not to use return returned to somewhere. Mm. I swear to God. Like, I'm just like. I hope you did it at least once. <laughs> I probably did, so honestly. We, I mean, what but, a stupid name. What? What country of origin could this guy even, like, where is this ancestry return? Where is that? It's not a Scandinavian name. What what time frame is this? 1850. 1815. 1815. Okay, no idea. No, I don't know. Maybe it's a Celtic name. I don't fucking know. It's very strange, but... uh, if once you hear return, that we're talking about this guy, even though it's the weirdest name I've ever heard in my life. Return references... The antagonist, I guess, of our story. (laughs) Naturally, with people of this time period, it's impossible to know the exact date of his birth, but 
Like I said, we know he was born in 1815. His father was Colonel Jared Ward, who was originally from Vermont before he had decided to move to northwestern Ohio. Do you know if he, that's pretty close to the revolution, do you know if he Mm, served? I'm going to assume he probably did. They Mm. called him Colonel. Um, If you were serving then, do you think, kind of like in World of Warcraft, when you get a PvP title, you're always that, that like sergeant, colonel, whatever. Do you think in this time period, you're always Colonel Jared Ward, not If like, you're an officer. Yeah, I don't right. think enlisted men are writing like You put corporal. that on your driver's license. Yeah. Hey, I'm private. I'm private Cody Wongin. Like, that's yeah. just my title. You're going to refer to me as private, goddammit. But I know that, especially book and airfare, all of the, like, uh, all the officer ranks are listed. Oh, Colonel, really? lieutenant, okay. all that shit. Okay, yeah. all right, well. Return's mother was named Holda Ward, Hula de Ward or something. I guess she has Holda. a weird Holda. Weird, interesting name there. It's like Hilda with a U. <laughs> Both these people have weird names. Yes. But sadly, he wouldn't know her because she died when Return was only two years old. Mm. So he probably didn't know much about his mom there. Mm. As no surprise, not a lot is known about the childhood of Return, but as one old biographer put it, he was put out among strangers and reared without parental care. <laughs> that doesn't sound good. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> that doesn't sound real good. No. So it sounds like the uh, it takes a village to raise a child, <laughs> but this time that that the, they just didn't give a fuck. Rear, like go 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 get raised by the by everyone else. Uh, reared. Uh, underutilized word, by the way. We don't really use Nowadays, that anymore. Yeah. If, yeah, if you look up. Probably in the early 1900s, late 1800s, that'll be its most popular <laughs> child rearing. Yeah. So we really have no idea who took care of him. And if anybody did, it, as it kind of points out, it kind of sounds like he was almost homeless most of his childhood. Much which like is Don terrible. Vito when he came over in 1901 Ooh, from Sicily. He was pretty much homeless, huh? His mom got blown away by the mm. fucking Sicilian mob for gotcha. uh, trying to enlist him. Steal her, she uh, tried to steal their pepperonis, probably. She held the Don at knife point. <laughs> Ooh, you can't boy, do that. Little boy had to run, and then somebody smuggled him on a ship to America. Ooh, you're going to hear a lot about Godfather on the Between the Bumbles. Yes, I believe so. I just watched one and two. <laughs> <laughs> but once we hear about the callousness and brutality of his murders, I'd say it's pretty safe to assume he probably endured a plentiful amount of abuse and hardships as a child in the early 1800s now. And of course, we're not going to know about head trauma no, or anything no, like that. Absolutely not. And I always think we talk about the 1800s a lot. And in my mind, I feel like everybody had a lot of hardships. So it's like when you're even harder than the normal hardships, it's got to be pretty fucking hard. I think that's all it was was hardships. <laughs> yeah. Unless you were fucking... Uh, the guy from, uh, that one book. What am I thinking I don't of, know. Cody? I have no idea. Abraham Lincoln? I F. don't Scott know. F. Scott Fitzgerald. Ah, yes. Wrote that, a book. That old son of a bitch. Columbus? I don't know. Who? F. Scott Fitzgerald. Mm-hmm. He wrote a book. Yeah, he, he wrote a few books, I think. Leonardo DiCaprio played the guy in the movie they just made about him a while ago. Mm, I don't know. Jack from the Titanic? I don't know. God I really damn don't know. It. Go okay. ahead. Where the part of the story begins in the life of Return Ward is with his career choices. Now, we don't know how old he was at this point, 
but his first job was working as a cabin boy on a Great Lakes schooner. Hell yeah. Which was ironically named Dread. Whoa. <laughs> that is edgy and awesome. Oh, that's the SS Dread. <laughs> it, had, through. it had to have like a giant fucking skull on the little point that sticks out of the boat. Dude, that is do. that is a great job for a young man. <laughs> be a little cabin boy. Now, it's interesting. It's called the Great Lakes, and it operated out of Erie, Pennsylvania. Is yeah. They, yeah, yeah, that's that's good. That's you in ever there. heard of Lake Erie? One uh, of yeah, the Great I Lakes? Suppose. I suppose. I didn't know it touched it, though. I guess I don't know my uh, lakes. Great my lakes. Great Lakes. Summer. I only know Superior and Michigan. They're impressive. Mm, they're very big. Mm-hmm. By all accounts, it pretty much sounded like he was basically a homeless boy just simply working aboard the ship. There's a lot of mentions of no friends or family to be seen while he was here. He just kind of was like, I don't even know what a cabin boy does, but that's what he was doing. You assist the... uh, uh, Clean the poop deck and everything. You make sure you do what the sailors tell you to do. Feed the captain's parrot, Mm. stuff like that. Mm. After finding out maybe the ship life just wasn't for him, he would eventually make his way back to Ohio, where he would become an apprentice for a blacksmith. Return would work here for about six or seven months until he found himself stricken with a nasty case of rheumatism. Now, I don't know, I know this can mean a lot of different things, but we don't know how or why this happened, but this would eventually leave him crippled for the rest of his life because yeah. of permanent disfiguration of his feet. Yeah. Return was only 13 years old when all this happened. And I'm sure his employer didn't mm. offer health benefits. <laughs> I don't I don't <laughs> think he could go to fucking Seasons or Tria Orthopedic to fix that. I don't know what his feet look like, but holy hell. Can Gnarled. they just like can they just gnarl up like a tree? I think or so. Or does something have to happen here? Is it like, do you I, actually hammer his feet? Like, what happened? I no, don't know. I think with the rheumatism, you can get real crooked. Ooh, God, that just... 13 years old, too. Holy shit, you should be in the prime of your life, then, mm-hmm. instead of <laughs> looking like a fucking old man. That's probably midlife. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Seeing as he didn't seem to be cut out for the life of a cabin boy or blacksmithing, Return instead found a new... Perf- profession that he seemingly would become quite skilled at tailoring wow so he's he's got a quite a good career path here wow and it was while he was working in the tailoring industry that he found himself getting into a bit of trouble with the authorities yeah the first time return is about to have trouble with the law will occur at the ripe old age of 26 but after hearing the entire story of return ward I highly doubt this is his first violent outrage. Sure. Uh, I think it's just the first time he probably actually got sure. caught for I was going to say, 26, that's a yeah. late bloomer for these <laughs> fellas. Yeah, absolutely. See, that's the other thing. He's going to confess to them some murders, but who the hell knows if he, you know, is a cabin boy who killed somebody or a blacksmith who killed him. We don't really know. It's fucking 100, 200 years ago. Yep. Either way, the story goes that Return was working with another journeyman tailor by the name of Adams. No! (laughs) Now, Adams... This is actually kind of like you. Now, Adams was complaining that it was way too hot and stuffy inside the shop. So he decided he was going to open the window, let a little air in. But Return did not want that window open and warned Adams, you better not open that fucking window. 
but Adams opened it anyway. Mm. This in turn through return. <laughs> there, I just did it. <laughs> yes. God damn it. Yes. Through return into a violent rage, he got up from his workbench, grabbed a large wooden board, and smashed it over Adam's shoulder, mm-hmm. which ended up breaking Adam's shoulder. Mm-hmm. The authorities were called in, and an arrest warrant was taken out for return. Did but- he light off or what? Did he run away? Uh, yeah, he ran away and hid. Return, instead, approached Adams later and offered him $5 to drop the charges, and he agreed to do it. Hell so yeah. he's, he technically, he didn't get in trouble yet. All of our but, con men do that, <laughs> yeah. though. They always buy off fucking Can you imagine a, assaulting somebody? Be like, here's five bucks. <laughs> I've done it. I've done it. For five bucks? 20. 20 when I was bucks. fucking wasted, I decked my brother. Because he was pissing okay. me off, and I was like, here's 20 bucks, I'm sorry. Yeah, but that's just brothers. That's what brothers do. Ugh, I felt <laughs> bad. <laughs> well, at least he gave him 20 bucks. Well, he got a few McChickens or something, I I'm hope sure. so. Maybe a little Caesars <laughs> or two. Although Return escaped the law this time, after the next event, he wouldn't be so lucky. The story goes that a young man by the name of Myers was picking on Return a little bit. Now, after Myers provoked Return with what they would re- refer to as a quote, unspecified joke. <laughs> I don't know what that means, but I love it. Return lost his shit and picked up a rock and chucked it at Myers. Oh. The rock ended up striking Myers directly in the face and knocked him out. For some time, while Myers was lying on the ground, Return was actually fairly certain he had just killed him. But thankfully, Myers was not dead. I wonder how long he was KO'd, because you're not supposed to be out for that long. I don't know. He said he was laying there for quite a while. Jesus. <laughs> After this, Return would be arrested and convicted of assault and battery and sentenced to a diet of bread and water. Still getting swole <laughs> off bread and water. During the several days he was in the county jail. So, uh, can you imagine if they forced you... To eat only bread and water while you were sitting in jail. That's, you know, my ma used to threaten me with that as a kid. You want to live off bread and water. Exactly. Like if I would didn't want to eat my stir fry or Ooh, whatever. Okay. I don't like stir fry. Really? No. At all? I don't like stir fry. Mm. It has a weird taste. Like, I love uh, it. I don't like Worcestershire sauce. What? Wait, you don't have stir fry with like um, teriyaki? So, yeah, teriyaki soy sauce, but it seems like there's always fucking that hint of Worcestershire <laughs> and water chestnut, which I fucking hate. Oh, yeah, I forgot you hate water chestnut. Oh, my God. I didn't know you didn't like that. I love putting that shit on, like, um you're Obviously, you're meat. only supposed to use it when you're cooking. You're not supposed to use it afterwards, but it's mm-hmm. still, I can hint, I can, it's like fennel. I also hate fennel. Yeah, if, I, I do, too, If honestly. there's a pizza place that uses fennel in their sausage, Ugh. I won't go there. No, I, won't I don't go like it. Uh, my, maybe I learned it from my dad, but, like, you get certain, like, roast. That's like, you know, whatever. You're cooking in a crock pot. I like to put Worcestershire sauce on there just to enhance the meat a little bit. You know, maybe that would help, but stir fry doesn't mm. do it for me. I also Not hate chow mein, so call me crazy. Okay, you are a little bit crazy mm-hmm. then. Now, after hearing just this little portion about the early life of Return and added to the fact that during his arrest, he could be described as bald, squat, and bull-necked with bent feet Additionally, he was considered <laughs> foul mouth, had a violent temper, and a sinister <laughs> countenance. Yep. 
I don't know exactly what that means, but it doesn't sound good. <laughs> you would imagine he probably wasn't exactly a man you'd see ladies swooning over. Like uh, Gerald Galagos. Yeah, but it was actually the exact opposite. Yeah. Somehow, Return had his way with the ladies. It's that machismo. <laughs> it's the no-neck machismo uh, is what it is. God, you maybe he just never exposes his feet. Like, uh, I mean, that's a deal breaker. <laughs> his rheumatic, gnarled feet. All I can feet. think of is like a real the bottoms of like a really old tree. Yeah, where like the roots are just kind of like bent and, mm. ugh, or he looks like Groot. Like he has Groot's feet. Mm. I don't know. Remember but, that from the Guinness World Record books? The one guy that had like uh, some disease where he had growths that looked uh, like bark all over yeah. his body. They had that on the documentary series Grey's Anatomy. Oh, yeah. They removed all those things from a guy, and he he was happy, and then they all grew back. Oh, yeah. I, I'm assuming that's probably what happens. It sounds terrible. Yeah, it sounds especially if terrible. you don't turn into like Groot or an yeah. ant or something. Yeah. You're just stuck like a, you look like tree bark. It's not it's good. A, it's an int. It's a shepherd <laughs> of the forest. Around the age of 26 or so, he would seduce a young woman, of which we don't know the name, but what we do know is he promised to marry her. Mm. And after she gratified his illicit passions, mm. as one biographer put it. Wow. He <laughs> People used to write better. Now I love like, that. Now it would be like, after she gave up that pussy. <laughs> <laughs> will you gratify me with my, will you gratify my illicit passions? What did you do on your wedding night? Well, she gra- she gratified my illicit passions. That's what happened. For about a minute and a half. <laughs> what did you do last night? I gratified my illicit passions. <laughs> Hell yeah, bro. Hell yeah, God. brother. <laughs> Either way. He promptly blew off their engagement and just simply abandoned the poor girl. Yeah, he got what he needed and mm-hmm. bailed. I wonder Pump if that was dump. like. <laughs> I wonder if he like lost his virginity then. Maybe that I don't know. I think <laughs> this 26? is twenty six. I think this is the first documented case of something he's been doing for <laughs> pumping years. <dump>. Yeah, <laughs> just like I'll marry you. I love you so much. Oh, emptied my balls. Now I'm out of here. <laughs> I need to leave and refill my illicit passion. That's right. Although the first girl was devastated, Return quickly found himself falling in love with another woman by the name of Sarah Lamson. With an H? Ah, uh, with an M. Yeah, with an H, sorry. Okay. I thought you were talking about the last name. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Sarah with an H. Okay. What is the, what, what's up with that? Moms, hit us up. Why do you choose to name your daughter Either with just an A or with an H. Well, I want to know. Sarah's with an H are, are bad news. They're, They're all, bad news. Yeah. Okay. You want like, a nice Sarah with no H on the end. I work with like four Sarahs, so mm. they uh, we have to go by the last first initial of the last name to, mm. to recognize them all, S to distinct Rodriguez. them all. Mm. S. Shasta. <laughs> I don't know how to make up names. Now, Sarah was the daughter of a prosperous farmer, of which I am guessing Return might have thought would have been a little added bonus, maybe Mm. a little cash in his pocket. Mm. But Sarah's father found that he was not very fond of Return Ward and would pretty quickly end up writing his daughter out of his will. Whoa. (laughs) Yeah. He plucked her right out. He did not like Return. He said, I got money, but it's going to everyone (laughs) except a man named Return. I'll give it it to my fucking cow if I have to. God damn. Here you go, Betsy. (laughs) Even still, Sarah Lamson and Return Ward would marry. 
Now, even though Return was a married man with presumably a loving wife at home, it wouldn't stop his criminal antics because it is believed that shortly uh, into their marriage, Return set one of the business rival's homes on fire Mm. and would find himself being arrested for arson. Mm. Wow, he got caught? Yeah, he got... That's impossible back then. It's kind of amazing he's a multiple murderer and he's gotten caught for throwing a rock at somebody and setting uh, a business rival's home on fire. That lady, that uh, Mary O'Shannon or whatever, Mm. who gets blamed for the Chicago fire Mm. because her Mm -hmm. cow kicked over a lantern, (laughs) and that certainly did not happen. (laughs) Well, the cow was the guilty one, not her. Well, guess what? She died in fucking shame. And then 30 years after she died, it was proved, like, that she was completely innocent. There was, <laughs> she went, she died like in shame. She really thought everyone thought she did it, even though yeah, she didn't. Kind of like that death metal guy with the, uh, what's, what's the hell's that, uh, Cecil Hotel girl, Lisa Lamb. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Poor death metal guy. Yep. He yep. got blamed. Or anyway. the Texas three what are they called the memphis, uh, memphis west three. memphis three. yeah uh, Texas west memphis, <laughs> memphis arkansas i think or missouri one of the two wouldn't it be tennessee no it's oh. it's missouri or something oh. like that that's how shitty that town is Ugh. now although he would eventually be acquitted we are pretty certain he in fact did start that fire because after the trial he almost immediately packed up his stuff and moved to a different <laughs> section of Ohio. I would say he, that's kind of his thing. He, he Once he's in trouble, he kind of just moves away. Fuck yeah. And when, it, once you move in Ohio, you can never be found again. Yeah. That's pretty common law. It was at his new home that he would find himself emerging in a new career field once again, this time becoming a tavern keeper. Whoa. He's moving on up. He's His dream was to start a bar. This is like a sitcom. This is how... <laughs> How I Met Your Mother. This is like the a better version of Cheers, honestly. Yeah. Right here. Now, the interesting thing about being a tavern keeper at the time was that it was becoming a bit of a frowned upon thing because there was a large anti-tavern movement wow. stirring known as the Anti-Saloon League. Yeah. Of course, all religious groups are getting in on this. Which I, this is one thing I've actually heard of, the, the Anti-Saloon League. Yeah, thing. I didn't know about this until this time. If so. you watch Ken Burns the West, mm, they, uh, talk about they, it, huh? they go over it. Yeah, Sounds like it was those goddamn... Uh, Pro, uh, Protestants. The women. You know Prohibition? Yes. Also the women. ASL is the women. They 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 didn't want to get beaten by their fucking well, drunk husbands get, I, that's anymore. That's the first thing that came to my mind. I mean, can you blame anybody no. for that? No. Jesus Christ. Do you know how much of a fucking poison alcohol was? It still is. Yeah, but absolutely. It was unfettered alcoholism back then. Yeah. That's why everybody died at 51. <laughs> Terrible home lives Mm. lead to women wanting the fucking one thing that is making their physically superior partner angry out Mm. of their lives, Mm. you know? Mm. Now, being a tavern keeper was potentially a great job for a man of questionable repute, such as Return Ward. Additionally, it will become the stepping stone of moving from just simple arson and assault into full-blown murder. Mm. The year is 1847 and return would have been roughly 32 years old Mm. at this point return was now the proprietor of a tavern called the eagle house i like (laughs) it except for that's what hitler's mountain retreat was called (laughs) 
No, it wasn't, was it? The Eagle's Nest. The Eagle's Nest, yeah. okay. Isn't the Eagle's House like the fish hook brand, or is that just Eagle? Just Eagle. Is it yeah. just Eagle, uh-huh, okay. Uh-huh. I right. like where you're going, though. <laughs> Which was located on the corner of Worcester and Norwalk Street in Planktown, Ohio. It sounds wow. like a great place wow. there. One of the regulars of this particular establishment was 50, a 50-year-old man by the name of Noah Hall, who is the owner of the town's general store. The story goes that Noah didn't like his wife very much, so he did everything he possibly could to avoid being at home, which meant sleeping on a cot in his store or spending his time eating at Returns Tavern. Wow. <laughs> he really eating. does. Yeah, I'm sure he, he doesn't want to go home. What? I'm sure he was eating there, what not did I... drinking copiously. No, no. <laughs> well, it said eating, so yeah. there's a, I'm sure well, you got to do both when you're at a nice tavern, Certainly. Right? If you're going to have like, a, I mean, I've played enough Red Dead 2 to know they serve delicious looking meals <laughs> for $5. <laughs> now, during this time period, if you were in need of supplies for your store, you would have to travel to whichever large city you'd get them from and pick them up. Mm. It was because of this that Noah told Return he was planning to take a trip to New York to pick up said supplies for his general store, and he would be carrying a large amount of money to purchase said <laughs> items. You idiot. <laughs> Why do people what? always say that shit? In, in, it's always in the bars, too, in this time period. They're always, like, half drunk. And like, I got all this money, and I'm going to go fucking to New York get my shit. It's, unless you're hiring them as security, yeah. you yeah. shouldn't say fucking no. shit to nobody. Don't ever tell. shit to nobody. Don't ever tell anybody you have money on you. No. You should never do that. After hearing this, the wheels in Return's head began spinning. After Noah finished his meal and headed to his general store to retire for the night, Return would sneak over to the general store and break in through the back door. With a large, heavy iron poker in hand, he crept through the store until he came upon the spot where Noah Hall was sleeping. Return said this happened next. Having carefully ascertained his position... I struck the rounded point through his skull on the left side above the ear and then gave him a violent blow with the heavy end of the poker on the top of the head. He then began to struggle, and I seized his pillow and held it tightly over his mouth to prevent any sound from escaping, and with the other hand grasped his windpipe strongly and held him thus till he ceased to struggle and life was evidently extinct. It was a fearful struggle. And I felt a sad relief when it was over. <laughs> I feel like sad relief sounds <laughs> like, what is that? It sounds like if he was the victim, he would say that about yeah. killing the invader. <laughs> yeah. You don't get to say that when you initiate the attack and stab someone in the brain. Oh, man. What a fucking terrible way to die, though. Only killed in the middle of the night with a fucking poker. Yikes. Stabbed the rounded point through his skull. Yeah. And he still was able to get up and fight back. This guy's big on, like, attacking the skull. He really likes to attack the skull for some reason. Maybe he was super into phrenology. <laughs> God. I first learned about that from, um, the hell's that movie, uh, Unfriended Deep Dark Web. They that talk was, like, about a phrenology? Sec- yeah, it was, like, a sexual fetish of the deep dark web people. What, Counting the divots in people's skulls? Oh, no, no, no. I think they were referring to it as, like, they would cut a hole in someone's head and put something inside of there mm. and, like, keep them alive. 
Like Dahmer tried to do. Yeah. Like they put like a rat, I think, in someone's head or something uh, like that. It's really fucking weird. Well, phrenology is like the precursor to eugenics. Mm. It was the American precursor. It's basically what eugenics is based off of. <laughs> it was an American idea. So Return just wanted to count the lines in this guy's skull, maybe. Yeah, wanted to make sure he had uh, the right <laughs> no. amount of dimples. <laughs> After Noah was dead, Return would ransack his place searching for the money. Eventually, he found Noah's stash of about $800, which today is about $26,000. That would make a lot of problems go away if I had a hot twenty-six grand on <laughs> yeah. me. Before he left, he staged the, st- the scene in the general store a little bit. So as to create the impression that the business had been done by regular burglars. Okay, what is the difference between you and regular burglars? Regular burglars don't fucking stab and Mm. strangle people. They get and go. Okay, so there's murder and burglars, and there's regular burglars, and then there's hamburglars. So we got them all. (laughs) So creepy. Oh, one of the defunct land episodes we talk about in Between the Bumbles Mm. is all about the original 70s mcdonald land the original hamburglar is so fucking scary i need to look up a picture of him then watch the defunct land you'll like it better and shockingly this worked because the police ended up arresting two other hooligans (laughs) by the name of daniel myers and what if this is actually the myers he threw the rock at he finished the job on him (laughs) and thomas mcgarvey return would even en- end up serving as one of the main witnesses for the prosecution. Piece of shit. <laughs> it's the 1800s, though. Yeah, I saw him do it. <laughs> I saw that goddamn Myers do it. I'm a credible eyeball witness. <laughs> now, a really interesting thing occurred after the murder of Noah Hall with his wife, Sarah. While we will never know for certain if she had previously suffered from some sort of serious mental illness or if it was simply because she was living with a sociopath like Return Ward, (laughs) but something set her over the edge after the murder of Noah Hall. It is believed that right after the murder, Sarah immediately suspected that it was her husband who was the murderer. Whoa. So it could be from extreme guilt or some other outstanding reason, but... Within the same year of the murder, Sarah would become, quote, entirely deranged and have to be committed to the state lunatic asylum at Columbus. Uh, yeah, and I'm sure that was all based off of yeah. his word, too, because yeah. that's how that worked. Yeah, you could just God. take your wife to a fucking loony bin and say, she's out of control. How the world has changed from entirely deranged. Like, when I think of entirely deranged, I think of, like, someone on basalts. Yeah, eating a face off (laughs) in a subway. In 1800s, it was just a lady talking loud. Yeah. (laughs) She's fucking deranged. Yeah, she's got opinions. (laughs) She needs to be locked away. (laughs) Now that Sarah was out of the picture and Return had committed his first successful murder, it is believed that Return Ward discovered that he... He found he got a sort of weird excitement out of the murder. Mm. We can speculate this because the second murder he's about to commit doesn't appear to be simply for financial gain like it was with Noah Ward. The story goes that a peddler by the name of Lovejoy showed up at the Eagle Tavern one night looking for something good to eat and a place to sleep for the night. And Return was happy to oblige yeah, the something gentleman. something good to eat. Well, I don't know why they don't just talk, say drink, because it's obvious they're drinking. Everybody <laughs> you know, was drinking. You know what's funny about that, that you mentioned that actually, is that 
Uh, this is from a Harold Schechter book, and he's not shy about that at all. So this, It's like in Dragon Ball when they replace the bar with milk bar mm. and the beer with root beer. It's you, like, we know what's going on here. You know what, actually, this I think why this might have been, now that we think about it, um, because clearly he's Harold's getting all this from old-ass newspapers and stuff, right? So maybe because of like the anti-saloon league and stuff, they were kind of like masking... What was going on at the tavern? They, they just—it was like a shorthand they had where yeah. they knew that it was eating meant drinking. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah, hmm. I wonder if that's a good point. Actually, mm. anyway, after Lovejoy ate his supper, <laughs> Return would show him to his room on the second floor. After this, Return claimed that he just retired to his own room and got some sleep for himself. Return would later confess that up until this point, he had no intention nor even the slightest thought of killing Lovejoy. But at around midnight, he was awoken, and the thought uh, that maybe the peddler had some money crossed his mind. Mm. So because he knew the door leading into the room the peddler was in didn't have a lock on it, Return could simply just make his way inside. Makes it quiet and easy. Mm. Return said this later. The moon was shining in the window, making the room almost as light as day. I knew that he was very tired and that a slight noise wouldn't disturb him. Everything was so favorable that the temptation to kill him seemed irresistible. I would say from that quote, I think he likes it. Yep, he loves it. (laughs) He loves killing. He gets hard. Also, when he's about to kill this guy, it sounds like you're reading a romantic novel about coming upon a princess sleeping Mm. in her fucking bed or something. I will awaken her with this kiss. (laughs) So Return exited the room and made his way downstairs to the bar room to retrieve an old axe. You know, when you're working at a bar, this is a lost art. you got to have a fucking battle axe behind there, dude, in case If you something... don't, what are you doing? <laughs> I don't know. I'll tell he you what you're doing. You're getting robbed. One. Yeah, he clearly had one. Yeah. And guns were pretty prosperous at this point, so I don't know why he had an axe down there. Oh, those are loud. <laughs> so he made his way back upstairs with the axe in hand. And while Lovejoy was fast asleep in his bed, Return lifted the axe over his head and drove it directly into his skull, Mm. pretty much killing him instantly. Now, something that Return had not considered before murdering Lovejoy was what was he going to do with the bloody corpse laying in his tavern? (laughs) He eventually came up with a solution. He found a box labeled Dry Goods and figured it would be the perfect place for the body. Yeah, who's opening a Dry Goods <laughs> nobody's box? Nobody's gonna. No. Nobody. Well, the general store guy, but he killed him, so now there's nobody to open yeah, it. It's, uh, uh, that's <laughs> one of those boxes that stays unopened. It doesn't say beer or gold on it. Oh, so. something to eat. It doesn't say something to eat on it. <laughs> yeah, it's some food. <laughs> he then dismembered Lovejoy's corpse by this is, quote, unjointing the legs at the thighs and knees with oh. an axe. So if you think about all the killers we've talked about, this isn't just like something you just do out on a limb, right? No. Like taking people apart like it's a fucking chicken. I mean, he uh, he certainly knows how to maximize the space. <laughs> yeah. You know he's what I mean? He's real good at that. I'll tell you that. He's, re- he's oddly very good at if that. If you know the correct way to fit a human inside mm. of a dry goods box, mm. you're a fucked up individual. I kind of feel, I wonder if like the, the fucking boat he was working on, maybe some, he didn't watch people kill each other or something maybe. Wow. I, or out in the woods. I don't really know. He picked this up somewhere. 
He then wrapped up the body parts in various sheets and blankets to prevent the blood from spilling everywhere and then placed it all in the box. The following day, he loaded up the dry good box under the guise he was going to visit his father in Millen, Ohio, and he took off out of town. When he reached a place known as Huron River, he took the box loaded with various irons in addition to the dismembered body parts and threw it into the river Mm. and just simply made his way back home. The amount of money that he acquired from Lovejoy was a paltry $50. Now, I think this is Harold Schechter's converted money as well. So it's probably like 50 cents. Jesus Christ. What a fucking asshole. Jesus Christ. Yeah, at least he got 800 off. 800 old money. Well, think about this, though. He killed the first guy. He had, if he had that much money... That's even another reason why he didn't need to kill this guy because I yeah, yeah I think twenty six thousand dollars yeah I think the mur- those two mur- murders are in the same year that's insane. so it's yeah, like he just loves killing he just loves killing yeah after the murder of Lovejoy return packed up his belongings and moved once again this time relocating to the town of Shelby Ohio where he started to work as a tailor again without ever having officially divorced from Sarah. He would soon meet and marry another woman by the name of Susan Reese. Unfortunately for him, that's null and void. Well, he's a bigamist. He's got to add that to his criminal record here. In 1854, the newlyweds would move to Sylvania, Ohio, and Susan would give birth to what appears to be Return's first and only child. But sadly, his new daughter didn't make it past the age of two months. Because it was 1854. Yeah, it's, what do you got, probably 50% survival right there, if that, maybe? It's about what it was, yeah. yeah. In January of 1856, Susan Reese would pass away as well. Now, being that Return had already murdered two people, one might assume perhaps Susan met the same fate. But we know with almost certainty that Susan died of... Billis typhoid fever. Yeah, which, you don't always need a serial killer to no. explain why someone died in the mm. 1850s. And I actually, I think it's bilis, but uh, I had to look that up. It sounds like... Bilis, gross. It sounds like when you add that to whatever disease, it means you basically puke to death. Yeah. Yikes. Yeah. What and a Typhoid fever boy. is already a diuretic... <laughs> Uh, illness. So I can, so adding bilis on top of that doesn't sound pretty good. Yeah, let's let's you know this last year has proved. Let's keep washing our hands and let's keep vaccinating people. For the Bill love Gates of God, said the next one's coming. I right hope after not. COVID. I so, hope to God nope. not. Jesus Christ. After the death of Susan, Return would continue to live in the downtown area of Sylvania and keep working at his tailoring business. And being the ladies' man that Return was, he wouldn't remain single for too long. Mm. Within a mere eight months after the death of Susan, Return would meet a widow by the name of Olive Davis, a Michigan-born lady with two children of her own. Within just three days of meeting, they would be married in the fall of 1856. Mm. We're marching ever closer to the Civil War. Are we? Oh, yeah, I guess four years, huh? Mm-hmm. Well, he'll be dead before then. Don't worry. Oh, man. <laughs> Spoiler alert. Spoiler. <laughs> right from the onset of their marriage, Olive quickly found out that Return was a vicious abuser. Uh-huh. It eventually got so bad that Olive would end up shipping her children off to live with a relative just so they wouldn't have to witness it. Uh-huh. 
Olive would start confiding in her friends that she was starting to fear for her life because Return pulled out a dagger and told her, If she did not look out, it would be the death of her. God damn. Especially a dagger. You don't hear that too often. In the, I got a dagger here. What the fuck? Oh. Eventually, Olive had enough of Return's bullshit and left him for her hometown of Adrian, Michigan to stay with some friends. Mm. Now, Return would actually make his way all the way to Michigan just to demand that she return to him in Sylvania. But she told him she did not like him well enough to continue living with him. Yeah, because you use me like a punching bag, you fucking sicko. But a man like Return was not going to give up that easy. That is typical abuser BS. Mm-hmm. I need I you need so to... much that I'll I'll go anywhere and try and make you come back to Ugh, me. God. After that first attempt to coerce her to come back didn't work, Return enlisted the help of a man by the name of William Warren, who would travel to Michigan and try to convince Olive to return. William told her this message from Return. <laughs> If she would only come back and live with Return, he would do differently by her and let her have more liberty and not always accuse her of improper conduct. What does that even mean? Improper? Did she he's show- always saying that she's do like she's probably showing cleavage mm-hmm. or he's always accusing her. Do you like that guy? Why are you oh, talking God. to that guy? Yeah, I suppose he's fitting the bill of a abuser here. Yeah. So that's probably what they would do. Absolutely. Now- I saw the way you smiled at him. <laughs> Now, William seemed to be able to persuade Olive to return, but her only stipulation for returning was that her husband give her $10 for a train ticket. Sadly, though, when Olive finally made her way back to Ohio, return soon discovered that Olive only made her way back so that she could immediately begin packing up the rest of her things and inform him that she was intending to leave him for good. Good for you, Olive. After hearing this, return said... It aroused all the vile passions of my nature. From the moment she uttered it, I was fully resolved that she would never leave my house alive. Well, uh, shit. Yeah. I mean, it's good that she's, like, getting the fuck away from him, but... Sad, I guess you should have done ending. that. Yeah, you should have told him all that after you packed your stuff and were about to mm. be on the way to the train station. I mean, to be fair, if you're leaving someone, you're not really expecting them to kill you. I mean, yeah. You go, can you imagine going through a breakup and then you're, they just kill you? Like, no. come on, you don't, yeah. you don't expect that. No, that's fucked. Now, one of the main reasons that return will finally be brought to justice was that Olive made it no secret to some of the townsfolk that she was intending to leave him. Mm. The evening of February third, eighteen fifty-seven, Olive made her way to Mrs. Harriet Nathan's to purchase some eggs, claiming that she needed them. To make some custard pies. Delicious. Honestly, Olive, you sound like a fucking angel. I want some custard pie. <laughs> Please make me custard pies. Yes. While purchasing said egg, she informed Mrs. Nathan that she was going to leave her husband as well. Sadly, Mrs. Nathan's will be the last person to ever see Olive alive. The following day, February 4th, return would make his way inside the local general store owned by Leba Allen to purchase a pound of sugar. He made sure it was loud and clear that he and his wife were going away early in the day and would be gone overnight. Around 10 p.m. that night, though, Leba Allen's wife was awakened from her sleep after hearing unusual noises coming from a turns house, which she just would later describe as 
like someone chopping up meat with an axe. Whoa. That's a very uh, distinct sound. Yeah. I guess. Oh. You're it's hearing not like they, the at, sinew being cut through. It's not like they had, you know, Food Network to watch and hear Guy Fieri chopping up meat. Like, mm-hmm. this is a very scary sound to hear in the middle of the night. Oh, hey, neighbors, I'm getting sugar you... and I'm just going to be gone overnight. <laughs> Don't worry about the meat chopping. <laughs> it's, uh, here's the other thing. I'm letting a butcher cut some stuff yeah. up at my place. He's coming over. We're not going to be home. This is like a new service running home butcher he's yeah. just chopping up a pig for me don't worry about it yeah it's butcher uh uh butcher what's the butcher <laughs> Plenty of fresh but bush butcher what's the goddamn renting service called where you Hertz? rent a house oh airbnb butcher b and b air air butcher and b air butcher b <laughs> just I rent mean, your home look, out to you, butchers you might have just had a million dollar idea to be honest with you. i'm ready we're on a butcher kick did you notice that your episode lots of butchers lots of butchery. And now we got more butchers coming in here yeah jerry drove a lot of meat trucks <laughs> The following morning, Return would make his way back inside the general store, and when Liba asked about Olive, Return simply told him that she had took the train to join another man in California. And they all do. She ran off with some <laughs> Trader Joe employee from California. He's he's got a kale business that's really taken off some right s- now. <laughs> fucking seventy-year-old hippie piece of shit. <laughs> But anyway, uh, after that, he said she's going to be gone for good. One of the biggest problems was that he claimed she had left Tuesday when he had just told Liba yesterday that the two of them were taking a trip on Wednesday. That's too much. The contradictions definitely raised some eyebrows. too much. Too much. He can't keep his fucking day straight. Mm Mm-mm. Being that Liba Allen was a bit nosy, he decided to head over to the train station and inquire about the passengers aboard the train on Tuesday night. The station master informed Liba that not a single person had boarded the train Tuesday night. (laughs) After this, Liba headed over to a tavern owned by Stephen Porter. Steve Porter? (laughs) I don't know. Some people like... Stefan and some people like Steven. I can no, never I'm just fucking tell. Steve Porter. Remember oh, that? Is asshole? it really? Remember that I didn't asshole? even think about that. Yeah. Maybe this is his great 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 grandfather no, in here. Steve that's definitely Steven. Unless it's unless they're from like uh Denmark. Then it then would be Stefan. Stefan, okay. Yeah. Well Steven Porter. And his tavern was located directly across the street from where Return lived, and Steven had noticed a few weird things himself. Wow. Firstly, the night of Olive's disappearance, he could see someone through the windows at Return's house, and to Stephen, it looked like someone was scrubbing the floors vigorously. Mm. After a while, he would witness Return exit out the back door carrying a large metal tub full of liquid, which he would dump onto the ground and claimed it looked like bloody water. (laughs) Finally, Stephen Porter would notice large volumes of thick black smoke issuing from Ward's chimney. A little Marcel Pecho, huh? (laughs) Burning bodies. Honestly, I didn't even think about that. There's a lot of connections there. Over the next few days following the disappearance of Olive, multiple people around town and even travelers who were just passing by Return's house also noticed huge plums of smoke coming from his house. That's uh, that's how he got caught. That's how Marcel got caught mm-hmm. or originally. Uh, tell me if this part it was in that as well. Additionally, the smoke, yep. smoke in question also had a peculiar smell. Yes, sir. 
a man by the name of Alden Roberts said, It smelled like meat cooking, only quite strong. <laughs> Can you imagine waking up and Oh, God, that smells so good. Honey, you making bacon down there? That might turn me into a vegetarian. <laughs> if, if I'm like, God you eventually learned it was a person cooking in there? Yes. If I like smelling something delicious, I'm like, man, where's that new barbecue restaurant? <laughs> Honey, let's go Let's go over to Dickie's Barbecue. We gotta it find fucking good. We got to find where this delicious smell is coming from. <laughs> I might only eat green peppers from then on. <laughs> eventually, Leba Allen... William Warden and another neighbor were certain that Return had done something to Olive, so all three ventured over to his house to have a little chat with him. Mm. As expected, when they asked Return about Olive, he got very upset and was now claiming that she had actually taken off Monday night. When they asked why... So he has said Monday, Tuesday, (laughs) Wednesday, and Thursday at this point. Okay, should we give him a little credit that I doubt he had a calendar? Yeah, and he didn't know when he was born, actually. Right. We just know it was 1815. (laughs) Well, I don't think they kept dates, though, right? Well, remember that uh, Buffalo Bill Tobin, Mm -hmm. the guy from the Espinosas? Mm. He also did not know when he was born, and he was born right around that time. Well, I only said that because remember how many cases we've talked about during this time? It doesn't seem like a single person knew the exact date of their birth. I don't think it mattered. Fucking crazy. I don't think it mattered. It's a capitalism trap that we remember our birthdays, so we buy shit for people. Bastard, goddamn you, America. When they asked him why he said Tuesday previously, Return said, Tuesday? Oh, yeah, that was it. She left on Tuesday. (laughs) Simple mix-up, simple mix-em-up. Additionally, while the three men were standing at Return's house, they could tell the floors had been thoroughly scrubbed, but apparently not thoroughly enough because... They also saw a large spot of dried blood. That stuff seeps into mm. the wood. <laughs> like, it's not, it dyes your wood bloody. Yeah, zero res isn't going to get rid of that. No. I can promise you that. Naturally, the next step was to go to the police. So they would approach Constable Elijah Green and inform him of their concerns. Elijah would later claim to do a thorough search of Return's home, but as we will find out, it will become very obvious that Elijah did in fact not search it very well. The following Monday, February 7th, about six days after she disappeared, a man by the name of Charles Dolph showed up in Sylvania claiming that Olive was alive and well in Adrian, (laughs) Michigan. You can quit investigating return ward because he couldn't have killed her because she's still alive in Michigan. And surprisingly, they actually listened to this guy. Oh, okay, cool. We'll take your word on it. (laughs) You you gotta trust Charles Dolph. I don't know who the fuck Charles Dolph is, but you gotta trust him. It's goddamn return with a mustache on. (laughs) I didn't even think about that. What if you you put the goggles and the fucking fake nose in the mustache? The Groucho Marx mask, yeah. (laughs) You quit looking at it. She's an Adrian. She's fine. At least until two men by the name of B.M. Phillips and William Chapman arrived in town to tell the constable that Charles Dolph was lying and Olive had not been seen in some time. Good. The interesting thing is, Charles Dolph, we never figure out why he said this or anything. It never gets brought up again. No, I have no idea. Maybe it was returned in disguise. Or, I don't know. It's very weird. Or he gave him 10 bucks in a letter and was like, <laughs> come fucking tell him that she's fine. He gave him something to eat. <laughs> <laughs> gave him something to eat. A little morsel of food. <laughs> yeah. 
With this new information, this time Constable Elijah and a group of other men headed over to Return Ward's house and conducted a bit more of a thorough search. This time, they found some interesting items. Mm. The very first thing they found was a charred piece of human jawbone sitting on top of a pile of ashes. Uh, that's suspicious. <laughs> well, did, did initially, did he just think this was a little house decoration? This guy seems like a deputy doofy, <laughs> where he just doesn't know what... He seems like a, a, a real dumb idiot. I think he liked to go out and eat at the taverns quite oh, a few times. he loved eating yeah. and not so much investigating. <laughs> no. He liked getting drunk off all that food. <laughs> Digging a bit deeper into the ashes, they would find fragments of skull, several finger bones, a number of teeth, and human entrails con- containing excrements. Oh, that you was, didn't burn it very well, did you? If you left bowels in a, with poop in them. <laughs> that was a, in a newspaper article. I thought that was kind of neat. Oof. As expected, Return Ward was promptly arrested. His trial would start on March 16th, 1857, and would last about nine days. <laughs> he was pretty quickly found guilty of murder and sentenced to be hung. Now, while he was in prison, it was his lawyer who infer infer. <laughs> it was his lawyer who informed Return <laughs> that perhaps if he openly confessed to his crimes, maybe his sentence would be commuted to life imprisonment. Yeah, you which- should get that in writing before uh, <laughs> before you just do that. But agree, uh, Return agreed to do it. Now, keep in mind that they had no idea about the two previous murders conti- uh, committed by Return. Mm. But after his full confession, a little pamphlet would be released to regional newspapers titled The Triple Murderer, which went into detail about the murders committed by Return Ward. Mm. So what exactly happened to poor Olive on that fateful night? Now, the story goes that after deciding to kill her, he found his perfect opportunity one morning when Olive was stooped over her bed putting her shoes on. Return would sneak up behind her with a clothing iron in hand and... Struck her a blow on the right side of the head, near the top, which broke in her skull and felled her to the floor. The blood flowed considerably from the wound and from her mouth and nose. I took a couple of quilts and placed them under her to prevent it from oozing on the floor. She struggled but little and did not speak after I struck her and died in about 15 minutes. Ooh, here's one question I have. He mentions quilts so many times. Like, does anybody wonder why he's going through so many goddamn quilts all the time? Yeah, I mean, those take a while to make. Can you imagine your granny? She makes quilts, right? Well, my favorite possession that I own is my quilt. It's like... The hardest worked quilt I've ever seen in my life. I feel like Grandy would be like, Adam, why do you need a new quilt every year? And what is happening to your quilt? And she couldn't keep up. She could not keep (laughs) up with that workload. That's a lot of quilts. (laughs) But she couldn't handle Return's demand for quilts. That's for sure. Return then rolled up her body and pushed it under his bed and made his way over to the general store to purchase the sugar and to make up the cover story about he and Olive leaving town, which he then told Leba Allen. I'm going out of town with the wife for a few days. (laughs) 
Don't look under my bed. I'm heading out of town. I'm leaving either Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, (laughs) or Sunday. The sugar thing is kind of like, why did he buy the... I guess just give him a reason to be there. Was it the cheapest thing in the store or what? Maybe because it's an ingredient that goes with custard pie, which Mm. is what uh, old girl was there for. True, true. I didn't even think about that. Look at that. You're a little detective. I'm a little 1850 detective. (laughs) You're much better than Constable Elijah Green. I'll tell you that much. After this, he returned home and started the dissection of Olive's body. He started by cutting deep into her abdomen and removed her balls, which he then threw into the stove. Interestingly, according to Return, as the pieces of balls got hot, they expanded and started to explode in the stove, which caused a great amount of noise, which he feared the neighbors would be able to hear. His solution was to prick little holes in the intestines to let the air out. I didn't know your guts did this. Yeah. I guess it kind of makes sense, right? Something that I wouldn't mind not knowing (laughs) uh, still. But yeah, no, it just makes sense. Yeah. Well, if you think about when you're cooking a bratwurst, right? I mean, it explodes, right? I guess. After the bowels burned up, he then proceeded to burn the lungs, heart, liver, and other organs all through the night. He then cut up her body into portions by again cutting the arms and legs at the joints and threw all the pieces of her body into a large wash boiler. Now, do you know what this thing is? It's basically like an old-time bathtub. Like, you see, like, the clampets get in. Yeah. And they heat up the yeah. bottom. That's what he put her body like a, into. Like a witch's cauldron. Yeah, kind of. Very weird. Having basically placed every single piece of her body into this boiler and allowed it to cook for as long as it could go, he then put the cover on the boiler and just slid it under his bed. Now, this is how we know that Constable Elijah Green didn't initially do a very thorough search of his home because the boiler of body parts was sitting underneath his bed as the constable did his search. Fuck. How do you miss that? Fuck. It had to smell, right? He, he, he Did he even go there is what I want to know. <laughs> He's probably like, I don't want to bother him. Some shit like that. I'm just or gonna, he gave yeah. him something to eat, yep. probably. He remembers him as a saloon keeper. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> After the constable left his home the first time, he then took the pieces of her flesh from the boiler and began slowly burning them up in the stove, obliterating almost every single piece of all of his body except for the bones that were found and some of her metal jewelry. So, and the pieces oh, of bowel with poop in them. Yeah, apparently that didn't all burn. Now, Return's attorney's plan to make a full confession <laughs> did nothing to help commute his execution. <laughs> yeah, you got to get that in writing. <laughs> I would say, if anything, it might have just solidified the state from <laughs> wanting to ensure that he was headed to the gallows. <laughs> Finally, on Friday, June twelfth, my eight- birthday. Is it really? Mm. Hell yeah. 1857, it was time for return J.M. Ward to head to the gallows, which was being hosted at Lucas County Prison. There would be roughly 50 witnesses who would be invited to attend his execution. Papers would describe the scene inside the prison similar to that of a funeral. Now, outside of the prison walls, the atmosphere of the crowd was the polar opposite. I bet there was guys selling hot dogs and (laughs) shit, (laughs) t-shirts. Thousands of curious individuals were hanging out just outside the prison. One reporter claimed it was like a hanging bee, complete with young boys engaged in pitching pennies (laughs) and in racing from point to point as if to make the most of a holiday occasion. 
Ah, nice little day out for the family. Yeah. You know, hey, take... that's what executions typically were. Right. This was the original Disneyland right here. Yeah. This is what you would do. Yes. <laughs> Let's go meet Mr. Person About to Be Hung here. Mr. Mr. Hanging's Wild Ride. <laughs> <laughs> the final minutes prior to his hanging, Return Ward was telling everyone he was a hardworking man who had always kept genteel company and never stole any money at all. Well, we know that's a lie. Huge lie. His final words before the trap door dropped were, Oh my God, I am thine. Thou art mine. What the fuck does that even mean, by the way? Oh my God, I'm yours. You are mine. Gotcha. Okay, well, yeah, there we go. We don't know. uh, Yeah, I guess I was going to say we don't know when he died, but I was like, no, if that's Adam's birthday, he died 200, uh, 100 and what, 57 years ago now. 154. Maybe you are the reincarnation of Return Ward, Adam. 164 years ago. Okay, so what do you what do you think about old uh, Return Ward there? Ah, God, I love the story. Yeah. The guy's a nightmare, <laughs> obviously. He loves cracking skulls, we know that much. Uh, little cabin boy sailor piece of mm, shit. Mm. One of America's earliest known serial killers. I was going to say, I can't think of too many before that. I no. mean, you have... H.H. Holmes, which is the 1800s, well, late, late 1800s, late, late. Jack the Ripper, 1888. That is like, in the UK. Yeah, it's, uh, I don't know. It's one of the first. I'm, uh, when he was born, America was only a country for, what, 40 years, I yeah, think? 30, 40 years. Yeah. I mean, I guarantee people were killing each other then, but it's just, um, nah, they didn't keep records of it. I mean, probably. we were moving headlong into the Wild West mm-hmm. era by 1815, mm-hmm. so there so. was it was so easy to kill man. and get away with it. Can I just say, fucking Schechter, man, I love him. He's awesome. He he's just I don't know, I don't know where he finds all these old records of these people, but fucking beautiful. I love him. He's even got a nice writing style, a nice mm-hmm. prose to him as well. <laughs> Illicit passions, yes, and something Eating. to eat. <laughs> Boy, you're at a tavern. Not everybody just wants to eat at the tavern, buddy. <laughs> I, I do kind of think the newspapers kind of uh, did that. But uh, but yeah, there it is. There's the story of Return Ward, the strangest name I've ever heard in my yes. life, honestly. Return Ward. I'm sorry to any returns out there, but uh, you're <laughs> fucked. I mean, Kanye West didn't even name his goddamn kid Return. No, you know, like Return West. <laughs> yeah. That would be good, though. That is better than Northwest. Northwest is pretty good. Yeah. I, I mean, it's pretty good. I mean, how many kids does he have? I don't even know. No idea. I think him and Kim are getting divorced yeah, maybe, but yeah. I don't care. Uh, yeah. Because they, they, I just don't care. I don't know them, yeah. so I don't care. Well, Kanye needs mental health help like yeah. badly, yeah. so let's hope he gets it. But yeah. Kanye, get help, <laughs> but you're still a genius. All right, everybody. Thank you very much for listening. If you liked it as much as we did, then mm. you should leave a form submission at bumblebuttpodcast.com. It comes to us just like an email. It's fantastic. Uh, if you also want to follow us, do it so on Instagram at bumblebuttpodcast and on Twitter at bumblebuttpod. Hell yeah. A great thing to do is bop the follow button on uh, Spotify and uh, leave us a five-star review on iTunes if that's at all possible. We do have a few new ones. You want to read that. them? Yeah. Hell yeah. Um, I, I know there's two written ones here, so we'll read those bad boys. First one is Not Place Rville by JNVR. I've seen this one. Yeah. Not Placerville. 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 You know what? Actually, both reviews are detailing that message. I think 
It I, just I, makes sense. I think we 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 must have some we, uh, Placerville fans. We Lino liked it mm-hmm. from uh, <laughs> Small Town Murder. Yeah, I, I I don't. That's a very weird pronunciation. Now, number two, Love from Cali by Love from Cali Two. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Thank you, Love from Cali Two. Great podcast, thoroughly researched and funny. Love the Minnesota slash Northern Iowa accents and wow. refreshing non-PC perspectives. P.S. Bumblebutt is the nickname Kemper gave himself. L-P-O-T-L joked about it, but they did not coin the term Bumblebutt. Any podcast like L-P-O-T-L and Bumblebutt frequently references South Park episode is a favorite of mine. Hell yeah. Keep up the good work, boys, and maybe ask Bianca how to properly pronounce Placerville, which Placerville. is Placerville. Yeah. So look at that. I guess Placerville brought us the heat this week. I love it. Perfect. Thank you very much, Placerville. <laughs> and thank you, California. And we love California, too, for your beautiful Hell reviews. yeah. Thank you so much. You know what else you could do, which people have done and will need to ta- uh, uh, tell t- to... T- to Porky Pig, we're going to need to tell their names as well, and that is donate to our Patreon Hell at patreon.com slash Podcast. Can you tell me about a few of our new uh, arrivals? We, I can. We have to thank Hillary and Alec B. Thank you so much. And even though it was crazy as shit last week, I, we got the cards out. Oh, perfect. Um, we're, they keep going up and up, and I have to keep licking more and more envelopes, so thank you so much. Have fun uh, with our corona licks. <laughs> no, I'm vaccinated. Oh, yeah, you got I'm all of them. I'm good to go. Yeah. I'm good to go. You're HIPAA approved. Mm-hmm. So, because uh, previously I was gluing them all, and I didn't know where the glue sticks were, so nope. I just licked them because nom, nom, nom. I had 20 of them to write out, so nom, uh, nom, I nom. hope everybody enjoys them. Thank you, Hillary. Thank you, Alec. Thank and you. And thank you to all of our other Patreons. Absolutely. Maybe next time we'll read them all. Mm-hmm. All right, everybody. Thank you very much for listening. We appreciate you. Buy a t-shirt. Well, that would be great, too. Bumblebuttpodcast.com. Go to our merch site. Buy a t-shirt. Buy stickers. Buy all that stuff. Uh, that'd be great. Uh, but otherwise, that's going to do it for all of us here at the Bumblebutt Podcast. My name's been Adam. That's been Cody. Thank you, Cody. Thank you, Adam. All right, everybody. Have a nice weekend, unless it's Tuesday. And enjoy these new mics. Hell yeah, I'm, I am. And also, Jordan, name your new child return, please. Return Fox. <laughs> I love this. Awesome. <laughs>